Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Now, if you're going to counterfeit something, you have to make sure that it looks enough like the real thing to fool people. Now, Vera Wang wedding dress. I don't know anything about dresses. But I figure that the one on the walkway, right, or one on the runway is the real one. So which one's the real one? But you can hardly tell. It's a good counterfeit. It's a good fake. Bring up the next one. Man, your guess is as good as mine. I haven't got a clue. I, Kelly saw these earlier, and he said, both of them are fake. Both of them are fake. So let's see, which one's the real, real deal? All right, let's look at the next one. Orchids. Which are real, which are not? All right, let's see. Real and fake. You have one more? Bring up the next one. Now... That's hard to tell. I, I can't tell which one's real, which one's fake. All right, is that, is that all of them? Here we go. <laughs> now, I want you guys to put on your, your really good thick glasses. I want you to look at these bills very carefully. You probably need to feel it in your hand so you can tell me which one's real and which one's fake, right? No. The one with Obama's grin is obviously the fake one. No one is going to accept that bill no matter where you go. Now, if Satan sent a counterfeit that looks so different than what Jesus is going to look like, people wouldn't buy into the lie. But he sends someone who looks just like what Jesus will look like. And so there's going to be a great deception that will follow. People are going to believe this lie, and they're going to fall into this trap. Remember, Jesus came the first time on the donkey, speaking of peace, and the people rejected him because they wanted someone who would rule, someone who would take over, and someone who would create peace, someone who would make sure that the Jews were taken care of, and that's exactly what Satan will send the Jewish people, and they will fall for it because it looks like what they've been waiting for. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. He says, I have come in my Father's name, and you didn't receive me. If another comes in his own name, that's the one you're going to receive. You're going to receive the one who is fake. You're going to be walking around in a fake pair of Jordans with a Vera Wang wedding dress on, <laughs> carrying fake orchids, right? Because you weren't ready for Jesus, the Messiah, when he came. So this guy's going to come onto the scene, and he's going to create peace. In the Middle East, he's going to unite the nations of Europe into a 10-nation confederacy. He's going to solve the world's financial issues and create a one-world monetary system. And everyone's going to think, wow, this guy is so amazing. This guy's who we've been waiting for. Let me read to you what 2 Thessalonians says about this guy. It says, now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be shaken in mind or troubled either by the spirit or by the word or by the letter as if from Christ as though the day of Christ had come. 
Listen to this. No one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Now that word falling away has been misinterpreted by many to speak about turning your back to the truth. Apostia in the Greek. But the word doesn't mean just a turning away from the truth. It means so much more than that. It means that literally you're being taken away. You're being taken. You're being pulled out from. And so what we see here is not a turning away from the truth. What we're looking at, what we're witnessing, is actually the rapture. The coming of the lawless one cannot happen until the church is taken away. The man of sin will be revealed. Verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. The church is restraining. The church, the Holy Spirit is the net that is keeping the son of sin or the man of sin from being revealed. And once that net is taken, once the Holy Spirit leaves the earth, the man of sin will come and he will wreak havoc upon the earth. Verse 7, for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, till the church is gone. And when the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the workings of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. They rejected truth and they weren't saved. They rejected truth and that's why they weren't saved. Verse 11, and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lies and that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My friends, you don't have to be judged with the rest of the world if you will just believe truth. Just believe the truth. Just say, yes, God, I believe your plan of salvation is right. Yes, God, I believe that I'm a sinner and that my life would amount to nothing apart from your grace. I believe that what you laid out in the scripture is what I need to abide by. I believe you, I believe you, I believe you. And so this Antichrist will come riding on the back of a white horse. He'll have a bow, which I believe speaks of peace. And he'll come with a crown, and this crown is a Stephanos. It's, it's a victor's wreath. It's a temporary crown, whereas Jesus' crown is a diadem. It's a crown of a sovereign ruler that can never be taken away. So he looks like the Christ, but he's not the Christ. And this peace that he brings will only be short-lived. It's temporary because what we see when the second seal is open is we see a red horse coming onto the scene. And with this red horse, it brings with it war. Now, if Jesus were the white horse and he was coming with the first seal, do you think that he would bring with him war? Is that God's heart to bring war to the world? Is that what he's trying to do? Absolutely not. But because this is the Antichrist, the second, the second horse will come, this red horse, verse 3, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come see, or literally, go forth into the world. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted the one who sat on it to take peace from, from the earth, that the people should kill one another, and there should be given to him a great sword. 
This sword is a machete. It's where we get our word machete from. It's a short sword used in hand-to-hand combat, specifically by assassins. So this guy's going to go out, and he's going to wreak havoc. The second rider's going to go out, and war will break forth across the earth. This peace that the Antichrist brings will only be temporary. This is what the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know, you know perfectly, that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not be able to escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief. You should understand the day will come as a thief. You should be ready for this. When they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This peace is temporary and it will be taken just as soon as it was granted. Now, they say that in World War II, somewhere between 60 and 85 million people died from World War II. From the time of World War II, there have been over 150 wars fought across the world between different factions. 150 different wars, many of them in the name of religion. See, what is in man's heart is war. James chapter 4 says this. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and you covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. What is in man's heart is going to be let loose on the world. God's restraining force, the Holy Spirit will be taken and man will be left to do whatever his heart desires. And what is within his heart is lust and covetousness and war and idolatry. And that's what will happen across the face of the earth as God pours out his wrath. Really what he's doing is Jesus just letting man do what man would do naturally. Now, you don't have to live this way today. Peace is available to you through Jesus if you'll receive it, if you'll just accept it. And so the third seal is broken, Revelation chapter 6, verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come see, go forth. And I looked, and behold, a black horse And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not harm the oil or the wine. This pair of scales, it speaks of scarcity and rationing of food. That food is going to be so scarce, this text says, that for a a man's daily wage, a denarius, one man's daily wage, you would be able to buy two pints or a quart of wheat. That's enough wheat to feed one man for one day. So a man will have to work just to feed himself for that day with nothing left over. And if that man has a family, he's going to have to buy the inferior barley. And it's barely going to be enough to feed three mouths for one day with one day's wage. This is 15 times the normal cost of what the grain would cost in those days. 15 times the amount. Imagine your grocery bill today and multiply that by 15. That's what they're facing during these days. That's a 1,500% inflation rate. That's 
boggles the mind. But in those days, that's what's going to happen. And did you notice there, it says the grain is going to be struck, but don't harm the oil or the wine. Now, many commentators believe that there's going to be a very terrible drought that will take place. And the grain, which has very short roots, is not going to be able to withstand the drought that will happen worldwide, basically. And because it happens worldwide, there will be some oil and some wine left because those roots run deeper and they won't be affected as quickly. And so the rich who can afford oil and wine, they're going to be able to continue to purchase what they want. But the common working man won't be able to afford enough food to feed his family while the rich live in luxury. That's what this text is saying. Now, this is very convicting to me as an American. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but the common or the average American family throws away enough food every day to feed a family of six in India. Did you hear that? There's going to be a disparity in wealth that is going to happen during these times. The rich will continue to fatten themselves, but the poor will be destitute. Do you realize that today that half of the world goes to bed hungry? 460 million people worldwide live on the brink of starvation. 10,000 people will die today of starvation. In the time that it takes you to go this afternoon and to have your lunch, By the time you finish that lunch, 400 people would have died of malnutrition, starvation during that lunch, during that meal that you had worldwide. And that's only a tip, a small portion of what's going to happen during these days. It's going to be horrendous. People will not be able to feed their families and they're going to grow desperate. And what do you think is going to happen when people are desperate to feed their families? What will they do to one another? Is there anything that you wouldn't do so that you can make sure that your family, your children were fed? And it's going to be happening worldwide. There will be no one who can escape these judgments. And the fourth seal is broken. Read with me back in Revelation chapter 6. It says in verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying come and see so I looked and behold a pale horse and the name on him who sat on him was death and Hades followed after him and power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword to kill with hunger to kill with death and the beasts of the earth so this fourth horse is a pale horse or literally a green horse it was it's the color of a corpse and it brings with it death That's the natural byproduct of war and famine is going to be death. And this scripture says that a quarter of the world's population will be wiped out with these first four seals. This is only the beginning of God pouring out his wrath upon an unbelieving world. A quarter of the population will be wiped out. Think about that just for a moment. A quarter of the world's population. Historians estimate that at the hands of Hitler, 20 million people were killed. Stalin killed an estimated 40 million people. Mao of China killed an estimated 72 million people. But when the Antichrist arises to the scene, over a billion people will be wiped out across the face of the earth in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Three and a half years, they'll have to bury a billion people. Can you imagine Now, this says here that the way that God is going to send these judgments, the way that he's going to judge these people is with the sword, it's with hunger, it's with death, and it's with beasts. Now, that word death can be translated pestilence. 
There's going to be all kinds of sickness and disease across the face of the earth because people will be so hungry and there won't be water, there'll be drought and people's sanitation will decrease and they're going to be judged through pestilence, widespread sickness across the face of the earth. I read that in the 4th century before Christ, that 60% of the world's population was wiped out by the bubonic plague. And in the 14th century, when it happened in Europe, that it's estimated between a quarter and a third of the population of Europe was wiped out then. Now, I don't know if you read this, but just last month in Oregon, here's a headline, look at this. Last month in Oregon, plague confirmed in Oregon teen. That's the bubonic plague. She had black death. She contracted it out hunting, and they believe that a flea bit her while she was hunting, and she was hospitalized. This plague still exists today. And what do you think is going to happen when medication is no longer available? Plague will run rampant, and God is judging the world through this disease that we've brought upon ourselves. Now that word beasts, the word in Greek is therion. It means something that is frightening of any size. How many of you guys are afraid of rats? Ooh, some of you just went like, ooh, look at that. True story, that rat I found in my house last week. That thing is huge. And it was about 10.30 at night and we heard something in the dining room. Sarah said, come, I need you to look at this. And I moved the chair, and the rat ran towards her, and she jumped up on top of the table, <laughs> screaming. I think she did a couple of flips before she got there. It was crazy. But we have this, like, it's within us, this fear of these rats, because these rats carry the fleas that carry the bubonic plague. That's why we all are so afraid of rats. It doesn't make sense that we would be afraid of such a small creature, does it? But this word therion, it's something that's frightening of any size. You realize that if you were to kill 97% of a rat population in any given area, that it would duplicate itself, it would repopulate within a year, that they have five litters a year of eight to 12 rats each time. It's that quick, that easy for them to repopulate themselves. Do you realize that rats carry 35 different diseases? Rats have killed more people throughout history than every war combined. It doesn't necessarily have to be something big, does it? This word therion, it could actually even refer to microscopic germs that are living within our bodies that this plague will come through. So a quarter of the world's population is slain through sword or through hunger or through death, which is pestilence, or through the beasts. A quarter of the world's population just like that. And at the fifth seal, something changes. We see a slight shift. Look at this, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to each of them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. 
So this fifth seal is open, and as the fifth seal is open, those underneath the altar cry out, and they cry out for retribution. They cry out saying, God, we've been slain for our faith because of our testimony. How long until you avenge our blood? How long until you take it out upon those wicked, evil people who have done this to us? How long, Lord? They cry out, God, please deliver us. God, please avenge our blood. Now, this speaks of the blood that would be poured out under the altar in Leviticus chapter 4, verse 7. When a sacrifice was made, the leftover blood was poured out at the base of the altar and would drain out side of the temple or the tabernacle. And so it would be poured out there completely because life is in the blood. And that giving of the blood signified the giving of life. It says that they were slain for their testimony. Now, these who are here are not the church. Remember, the church is already in the presence of Jesus when these seals are being opened, worshiping Jesus. These martyrs who are crying out are those who believe that have been saved in the midst of the tribulation, in the midst of the seals, the quarter of the population that has been wiped out, and they're crying out because they've died because of their faith, and they're saying, how long, Lord, until you avenge our blood? We kept our testimony. How long? The scripture says that we should all have a testimony. The word in the Greek is martis. It means a martyr, that we should all live our lives as though we would be willing to give our lives at any moment in worship of Jesus. These people actually physically gave their lives. But Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that you too shall be witnesses in all of the world. You too should be a witness to the uttermost parts of the world. That he's sending you out as a martyr to live a life that looks different. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and he says, I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds, but that your life should look different. Don't walk like the rest of the world walks. Your testimony has to be different. Your walk has to look different. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 10, 38, he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, if you want to live a life that pleases God today, you have to be willing to give your life just like these people did who are crying out for vengeance. They say, how long, Lord? How long till you take vengeance? You realize that vengeance belongs to God and to God alone, don't you? Deuteronomy 32, 35 says, Vengeance is mine and recompense belongs to me. I will, I will take it out on those who caused you to suffer. I will be there and I will do that. And the day of his vengeance is coming. He's only begun to pour out his wrath through these seals. He's only begun. It's just a crack. It's just a glimpse of what's going to happen. But listen, my friends, listen to what will happen when the day of vengeance is fully in the heart of God. This is what Isaiah chapter 63 says. It says, who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in greatness of his strength. I speak I who speak in righteousness and mighty to save. This is the question that Isaiah asks. Why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads in the winepress? Why are your garments stained in blood? Verse 3. I have trodden the winepress alone 
and from the peoples no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger, and I trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all of my robes, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. When God prepares to pour out his vengeance, get out of the way. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.